0: Let's get some of that movie chat. Credits roll by, and I tip my hat. Credits roll by, I want to know more right away. Let's have some of that movie chat. Credits roll by, tell me who did that. Life in the credits is where I want to play.
1: Welcome to Life in the Credits. This is the show where we learn about entertainment by chatting with people who work in the industry. I'm Susan.
2: And I'm Ben. And today we're discussing the film Kissing Jessica Stein.
1: And joining us today is our special guest, Hannah Rothblatt. Welcome to the show. Hey Hannah.
0: (laughs) Thanks. Good to be here.
2: Thanks for joining us today. We're very excited to chat with you. So can you tell us about what you do in the entertainment world?
0: Yes. So I most recently wrapped on Full Frontal with Samantha Bee as a digital producer. Mm-hmm. Um, I say wrapped as if it was my choice. The show got canceled. <laughs> yeah. yeah, And of course, like, very sad. We're all kind of yeah. mourning the loss of that show. But it was on for seven years. I was there for almost three years, a part of it. And it was the best job I ever had. So mm-hmm. it's always bittersweet, Yeah, but looking forward to just the next thing in the entertainment industry. But I was a digital producer there. Um, and a little bit of what that entails is, so the show's on weekly, once a week. I actually started the week of the pandemic. So wow. I went to the office for the first time on a Monday. I think it was like March 8th or something <sighs> like that. And then was sitting at my desk. I like put up my little name tag. I remember taking pictures of it. We went, the show taped on Wednesdays and aired on Wednesdays. And that Wednesday was my first time in the studio. I really hadn't had like a ton of late night studio experience, just, like actually getting to watch the taping. Yeah. So we're going in, I was super excited. They'd actually pared down the number of people who could be in there because people were talking about COVID. Right, right, but right. no one knew like yeah. anything at it at that point in the circle and we get this call like all right everyone has to evacuate the studio because it was a cbs lot okay and they're like someone from cbs just tested positive for covid so like everyone has to go out oh, we're sending you home and we walk outside and there's like news cameras there's like news crew because every time there was someone found like it was breaking news anymore. yeah right Right. and we went back to the office and i just like collected my stuff i remember leaving like my progresso can of soup because i was like <laughs> we'll be back next week i was like right. well, sure. i'm yeah. Is. absolutely <laughs> and, well I'll be back and yeah. I don't really take everything yeah with me, like with my computer charger and like my name just all these things I was right. like that's fine we'll be back and we never went back Ugh. and they gave the the studio up they gave the office up I don't know what happened to that can of progresso <laughs> um i bill for it <laughs> so my experience as a digital producer there is probably different than what you know yeah. traditionally you could expect but Thankfully, as a digital producer, you can work from anywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You really, just have to get creative with what we want to do to supplement the show. So traditionally what the role would be is that We had Sam, who's the host, who's doing once a week and the writers are writing an episode for once a week. And then during the other week, we have a combination of posting the content, like divvying up, editing, making it kind of social friendly to communicate the show on the Internet. And so that would be like my main responsibility was setting the strategy for that, setting the schedule. What platform should we be on? Community management, like just interacting with our fans, yeah. um, making sure things were going up at the appropriate time that they could be shared. But then we had all this other time to say, okay, when we don't have show content, what do we want to supplement the voice of the show with? Like, what can we do that's in Sam's voice that would be responsive to the news? And she was really interested in having a big Twitter following and just being active on Twitter yeah. to write responses to things that were going on in the news. And then We also developed some video series. Um, We had correspondence on the show, which was great and sort of like unique to late night at this Mm -hmm. point from The Daily Show. And I wrote a video series for them that they could take themselves during quarantine. Oh, cool. Um, So everything was remote. it was great and then when we did able to get vaccinated and do more things in person one of the great things was me and a colleague went to women's pro-choice march in dc Mm -hmm. and took a photo and video footage and interviewed people and then made a series of that on instagram and social media so nice we were able to get more creative as the world was opening up
1: cool very cool You mentioned you did some writing within this job. Um, Do you work with the writers of the show for that at all? Or are you kind of a separate department where you're writing your own content for the digital side?
0: Yeah, we were separate. I mean, I think every show and every network does their digital departments differently, Mm -hmm. which is something I learned from Comedy Central. That's where I started just working in social media Mm -hmm. Um, and I worked there at the network. So that was its own experience. And then working from the show, we had our own department where... We had writers, we had editors, we had graphics. And so we were able to create our own content. But everything we did was, you know, to be in the tone of Sam. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, you know, we'd always wanted feedback of this is good to post. Like we were never kind of on an island not paying attention to the other departments. And if the other writers had input or... Anyone in the show is um, encouraged to pitch anything, which is amazing. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. awesome. Especially like when you're working from home. So Slack was just the main vehicle for that. So anyone could pitch a tweet. Anybody could pitch, you know, a digital video or like jokes. And so we wouldn't uh, necessarily, you know, ask the show writers who are busy writing the actual show. To contribute, but if they had an idea, then we would absolutely build on it.
3: Cool.
2: That's excellent. Yeah. Because digital content is 24-7, how do you keep a work-life balance of like, you know, you could just be online all the time. Yeah. Just, you know, managing it. How do you find that right balance?
0: I mean, such a great question. And one I think that every like working person <laughs> has yeah. to ask themselves. <laughs> yeah. I think particularly there's certain, you know, city cultures like New York and LA for entertainment that don't really allow those conversations to happen like organically. Like you have to really fight for those boundaries. But when COVID hit, I mean, we're all home. So I definitely think that the work life blended because I wasn't saying like, Hey, I have a hard out at six because I need to go do this other comedy thing.
3: It was the case
0: pre COVID. I would go to work, try to leave at six, which was like very hard to do and then go do my sketch team, which was okay. just like, just for me, my personal development. Yeah. I loved the job so much that for me, I didn't feel like it took over in ways that I didn't want to be contributing. Mm-hmm. But I do think that it, there definitely was opportunity to say like, Hey, it's six, six thirty, Like we started at 10. We don't, I don't need to be at my computer anymore, but if something comes up, if there's an, you know, digital emergency, which could yeah. be anything, just hey, we got to fix this typo, you mm-hmm. know, or like row was overturned. Right. Yeah. That's so- a wide range. Yeah. For the <laughs> and e- both of those things are equally valid. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, when you're in like a more senior position, you're just accepting that as part yeah. of the job because you're representing that voice. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I would not try to bring in someone who had, you know, was like just starting out and, you know, wanted to maintain like more of a work life balance and wasn't getting paid overtime. Like I, it's really good to be respectful of colleagues expectations are when they come to a job. Yeah. Makes sense.
1: So can you tell us about your, your background, um, including like
0: schooling, any other things you did to like lead you to where you ended up working for Sam B.? like probably every time you ask that question, you get the same answer, which is like, there's not one path. Right, but it's true. (laughs)
3: It's
0: so true. And I think if there's one thing that like any people starting out are gonna really understand going into this industry is that there isn't one path. And you will do most of the work to figure out what that path is. Yeah. But the exciting part is that like, you have the power to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously it's not an easy industry because you, at the end of the day, like the decision-making isn't really up to you in terms of- Opportunities that get greenlit and like when there are positions open. But mine was definitely not traditional. But then it did kind of get into a groove where there were definitely milestones that I saw other people making. And that's how I modeled my interests after. So in college, I was a liberal arts major. I loved writing, but I had a lot of anxiety about writing. I used to ask for extensions constantly yeah. and just be like not very um, confident. I always hung out with the comedy people at school, which was like five people because I went to a very, very small school. <laughs> <So> everyone <laughs> okay. knew each other. I like dated those people. Like I was wanted to be in those yeah. crowds, and never felt confident to do those things myself. And so when I graduated from college, I thought, you know, this is the thing I'm really afraid to do. So it means I probably really want to do it very mm-hmm. badly. So, I, but I needed a job. So yeah. I majored in art history in college, which was wonderful, beautiful, amazing. I had done certain internships. I thought I wanted to work in museums and art. I didn't think I wanted to teach at university, but I thought I want to be in the art world. Yeah. And i done certain internships. I had wonderful experiences. I did like international internships. Yeah. So I worked at the Uffizi Museum That's in awesome. Italy, which is yeah. I mean, there's a museum that's like the most famous museum. Mm -hmm. And then I also did a fellowship in, in Israel and their big modern museum. And I had these wonderful experiences, but I never felt like I want to do this forever. Yeah. So I kind of put that by the wayside and I got out of college and I just needed a job. So I was just networking, just saying like, I worked in a magazine in college. So it was like maybe something with publishing marketing. Mm -hmm. I landed at a tech company that did digital marketing. I was really unhappy because I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do. And also I wasn't very good at doing things that I wasn't good at. Yeah. (laughs) If I was good at, not good at something right away, I'm like, they're not going to get the money out of me. But having that experience had the name like digital marketing in my resume. And at the The thing that really changed the course of my career at that point was it went from going absolutely nowhere (laughs) to I started taking classes at Upright Citizens Brigade. Cool. In New York, and I took classes there for like six months. And I took mostly the sketch classes. I did take some improv, um, but they told me that I kept needing to be like more vulnerable with my characters. And I was like, "That's definitely true." And I don't feel like I was just like I'm, um, I'm like reaching my emotional like. Yeah. Getting that feedback, even. But I was like, good note. I will use that writing perhaps. And I did the sketch classes, and then I just started building my resume, and then through the digital marketing job just kind of tailored my resume to be like more digital focused Mm -hmm. on opening at Comedy Central networked the hell out of it. I mean, that was really like my first masterclass in everyone that you know is going to help you. Yeah. You know, I'm sure everyone said like, it's your connections, it's persistence, it's right place right time and that's how I got this job at Comedy Central and so then I was in the entertainment world I wasn't in a position where I had a lot of individuality or I wasn't really in a creative position but I was meeting a lot of people I was helping doing like ads for social media so like the daily show Crank anchors, which was renewed during my time South Park, Broad City, the end of Broad City, uh, which was an amazing thing to be able to work on Mm -hmm. We're doing the paid social part of it. So we're making like promos and putting those ads on social media and then like putting paid money behind those videos. Um, So it wasn't what I wanted to do long term. But now I was building enough words on my resume and names of schools and places, professional places to work that people recognized Mm -hmm. and had meaning for them. And then I was at my Comedy Central job and I I remember I was having a shit day because I was tasked with doing something that, again, I knew I was really bad at. It was kind of mathematical. And I was like, I failed calculus. Like, this is not calculus, but in my brain, I was like, it feels like calculus. Yeah,
1: it's close enough that you don't want to do it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right. And I was just like, but I remember just sitting at my desk being like, I'm just going nowhere. Like, I don't, I'm so stuck and I want to quit. I'm just gonna go work in a coffee shop. I got this call from this unknown number, which I never pick up. And then Mm. I listened to the voicemail and it was the director, creative director of UCB. And he was calling. He was like, give me a quick call back. And I'm like, like, I probably left my backpack at the, (laughs) like, I left something there and I can't figure out whose it is. And I figured out it was me and it's like Tupperware and it's like rotting pasta in it or something. And like, so I call him back and he's like, would you like to be on one of the house sketch teams? And cause I had auditioned, like you sent in a packet mm-hmm. and I was like late with the deadline for the packet. Like I thought it was 12 noon and it was like 12 AM the night before it was like, I was a mess. And I said like, well, yeah, like duh, I'd like to. Yeah. Of course. Like, what kind of question <laughs> yeah. is that? Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> so what? <laughs> and he was like, yeah. Okay. So like send me over like your information and like, I'm going to put you in touch with your new team. And that's when it hit me. It was like, oh, this was an offer. Like I... Like got something. Yeah. Based on my talent, kind of. Yeah. And <laughs> so that was really like, oh, I can do this.
3: Mm-hmm. And
0: I was really shocked because even when I started, I was like, I'm the worst writer here. I don't really know what I'm doing. But I was on that team for a while. And then every like couple of years you renewed the team. So then I was yeah. on. A new team and I was like hey I'm a lot better now than I was mm. like 10 years ago and it was just like an amazing experience the theater was incredible um it obviously you know shut down during COVID yeah. I think it's back in certain cities like I think in LA there yeah I think it is yeah um, New York I think they're trying to bring it back mm-hmm. um so then I got that on my resume that was awesome. It was amazing way to meet people. Yeah. Um, So fun. Like my parents came to every show. That's cool. Uh, That's awesome. like embarrassing when I had to like introduce them to everyone else and like (laughs) they weren't there. And I was like, this feels like a second grade talent show. (laughs) (laughs) And then I just was kind of like new opportunities were coming up and meeting new people. Mm -hmm. And that's how I saw, you know, like, two years into my comedy central and two years into UCB, I saw an opening, um, at full frontal. And I have to tell you, I had been dying to work on that show first came out and I had been making contacts there and I had been sending in research pack packets. And I was like, I could, I think I can do anything that they needed me to do. Like I love the show so much. Yeah. And so this was just like the timing just turned out and I had just happened to have like the skills and the Mm -hmm. resume, like keywords to, be actually just have it be seen. Mm-hmm. and Yeah. So then that came together. That's awesome. Yeah. That's very, very cool. I think every experience leads you to the next thing you just pick yeah. up on the skills. You didn't know whether it was presentation skills or listening, pitching in a room. Mm-hmm. I mean, being at UCB, that's where I learned how to pitch confidently and also take feedback when something yeah. wasn't working. And um, that's a really hard skill to learn as a young person in the working
1: world one thing we've heard from a lot of guests is the more jobs either on set or behind the scenes you can at least understand the easier it makes yours and the easier it makes to work with everyone if you know kind of where they're coming from what their goals would be then you can all
0: work together more cohesively so I think that's a really good point you can have a goal which is to be great at what you're doing but then Mm -hmm. also to be like I'm just gonna also maybe use this opportunity to learn yeah be like the voice in every meeting, or I don't have to show everyone how I'm contributing. Like Mm -hmm. it may just be a great learning experience where you're watching and shadowing. And there's a lot of opportunities in Hollywood and entertainment for that too. Um, And fellowships where you're just learning and you're shadowing and that's, Mm -hmm. you know, invaluable. Yeah, definitely.
1: Do you have any moments from your career that's either like just a favorite moment where you're like, oh, this is so cool that I get to do this or just an unbelievable moment where you just felt like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Like, this is this is it for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, one of the unbelievable moments was just getting like sent home for COVID on my Oh Yeah, that's, <laughs> oh,
3: <great>. yeah, but, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. that's really
0: unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> and just like meeting my coworkers like twice, you know, <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> and being is not over Zoom. I think another moment that was just pretty awesome and amazing was the field team was doing a shoot um, doing a piece on what people in Palm Beach in Florida thought of Trump moving back to Mar-a-Lago mm-hmm. after he didn't win so they went down they sent a correspondent Alana Harkin down to Palm Beach and they were looking for you know if we knew anybody who was in Palm Beach and the surrounding areas that they could just talk to you like woman on the street style. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother lives in West Palm Beach. Nice. And she is very politically outspoken. Yeah. I mean, how many hours of MSNBC can you watch in a day?
3: <laughs> <laughs> the records have been broken.
0: Um, no, but she's incredibly intelligent and outspoken and she's very cute and charismatic. And I said, you know, my Nana, my, mm-hmm. you know, Nana in her 80s, she lives down there. She's got a bunch of cool. cool friends. Yeah where are you shooting? Like, maybe I could, you know, if you're looking for a diversity of, you know, ages and cultures, maybe I could send her down there. And we ended up, she ended up being on the show as one of the people who was interviewed by Lana. And she had this really funny moment where she just didn't hold back. And I think she, she wanted to curse. Like, I think they asked her, what do you think of Trump moving back here? Yeah. And I think she said like, like she like kind of scoffed. And she was like, he's an FF. And like, it was like, <laughs> they could be like stand for like so many different yeah. appropriate things. So like, I'll just leave it to whatever your imagination wants. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just like the funniest moment in the piece for me. Mm-hmm. And people were messaging me saying like, your grandmother was the best piece of this. Just like getting to talk to yeah. her. And she was just so great and confident. And like, you know, what does she have to lose? And yeah, really, her granddaughter's working on. So yeah, to make that full circle. And like, that's I so cool. mean, for our family and like, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> that was awesome. And I think that's also something that was so great about the culture of the show is that it was a small show. Mm-hmm. And any suggestions were okay, suggestions, like I was like, I'll suggest it, but I don't know, they'll go in a different direction. And And then them ending up thinking that was an interesting (laughs) suggestion was really sweet. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: Because sometimes in entertainment, it's hard to really describe your family, especially if their background is not in entertainment, what you do and like why it's important and what your day to day is like. But like you got to literally show her and bring her into the process.
0: That's awesome. That's very cool. so fun. (laughs) She, I mean, most people like when I tell them what I do, whether it's digital or sketch comedy, like. They'll always just be like, oh, Hannah writes for full frontal and i'm right. like well i'm not on the right exact like you know what? i do for the digital but not you know for yeah. the writing And, like to them it's just that's it they don't know right. what like, other jobs of entertainment yeah, are true. and nor do they have to like right. i don't know what my hedge fund friends do right. but, i just yeah. I'm like they are money people mm-hmm. <laughs> they make money they make other people money yes and like that's probably wrong but like <laughs> that's totally fine so that was pro- that was also an unbelievable yeah. but like, great moment. That's so cool. That's
2: great. We got one more question for you, Hannah, before we move mm-hmm. on. What advice do you have for people who want to either get into maybe the digital space or into comedy or in just into the entertainment world in general?
0: Yeah. I mean, meet people that you look up to, what their career trajectory is, either you found interesting or that you yourself would want to have and find out how they did it. And then find out what opportunities are in your city, in your communities, and take advantage as many as you can to figure out what you do and don't like, what you're best at. Don't be discouraged by how long things can take or by rejection. Someone once told me recently, if you're not being rejected or if you're not failing, you're not doing it right. So Plan that into your schedule. Yeah, <laughs> to be rejected, <laughs> to fail, just keep going. Network, even if it's not your best skill. You don't have to be a master negotiator. It's just sometimes sending a sweet message to somebody that you admire and hoping it doesn't go into their spam folder. Yeah, and following up and tailoring your skills to what can be applicable. So I worked in digital marketing that had nothing to do with comedy, but I was taking comedy classes on the side and was part of a community and figured out how to kind of rearrange my portfolio to bring in all those skills and paint a picture of what I wanted a future employer to know that they could depend on me to bring mm-hmm. the company and just practicing with that and using your network to express your dreams, your wishes and do they know anyone that you could buy a cup of coffee?
1: Yeah.
0: And, you know, offer it that way and then from there you see if maybe they have an opportunity that you'd be the right fit
3: for.
2: Well, let's get to our featured film. Today we're discussing the 2001 romantic comedy Kissing Jessica Stein. It was written by Heather Jurgensen and Jennifer Westfeld. It was directed by Charles Herman Wormfeld, and it stars Jessica Westfeld, Heather Jurgensen, and Tova Felcha. So, Susan, can you give us a quick breakdown? What's this movie about?
1: Yes. So this movie obviously stars, it's uh, featuring Jessica Stein, the character not starring Jessica Stein. But um, so she is a single woman in New York. The whole first few minutes of the movie are just kind of all about how she's dated all these different guys and she just can't find the one that's good enough for her. Like there's always something that's not good enough. Um, her family reminds her of it, her friends, her co-workers, And then she's also incredibly, I don't know if straight-laced is the right word, but she's very particular, very kind of stuck in... Uptight. Uptight, that's the word. Uptight is a great word for it. So she's just really uptight, very particular. She kind of knows what she likes to do. She knows the lane she likes to be in. Doesn't take a lot of risks. But one day she does take a huge risk and she answers a personal ad um, from a woman named Helen Cooper. She shows up to a date with Helen tries to bail. Helen gets her to stay. And then they start this relationship. But because Jessica's so uptight, this relationship takes a long time for her to get really into. Um, But then also she doesn't want to tell anyone about it because she's just so worried that it's not her. She's so worried about what people will think. And also she's never dated a woman before. She's only dated men. So I think she's not even sure that this is... She's not sure about anything with this (laughs) other than she does. She is sure that she has a connection with Helen that she really, really likes. So, yeah, and loves. She does love her. But it is a rom-com and there are definitely some meet cute moments in it that are classic rom-com, but it's also a little bit of a twist on it, I guess, but.
2: Totally. So Hannah, you chose this movie for us to watch today. Why did you choose Kissing Jessica Stein?
0: Yeah. So I've been thinking about this film. I just was thinking about it recently, like rewatching it. I watched it maybe like six or seven years ago. And I was just thinking about it recently. I mean, I think one of the things, you know, which is important to the film is that she is a Jewish woman. and She is, yeah. And she's living in New York, and mm-hmm. it definitely has like a Nora Ephron,
3: totally, fall
0: esque. Like yes. we're in New York, we're in bookstores. We're mm-hmm. the movie starts around Yom Kippur, which is mm-hmm. the high holy day, Day of Atonement. I'm Jewish, so I can sprinkle in these mm-hmm. little bits of just context. That for me, like Yom Kippur was coming up here and okay. so I, just, I was thinking about the film and I was just thinking about rom-coms and there are so many actors in this film who are yes. actually very famous and they yeah. would just sprinkle in cool. little cameos and I just was thinking about how fun these kind of like 90s early 2000 yeah. movies were um, and I just really love I mean I, I do like romantic comedies it's not like I'm a fanatic of rom-coms but I do like this type of film mm-hmm. it was a low budget like handheld yeah. film apparently like every scene they filmed was like a friend of a friend's business or apartment right. I just I really admire the risk that this film took by like first time yeah filmmakers. um so I think it was just on my mind and I was like I don't hear people talking about this film I wonder if anyone else would think it was interesting and no. I also was like, I wonder if it still holds up because it was early 2000s. Right. A queer Jewish Mm rom-com, which you didn't see a lot. Or if you didn't see it, it was, those things were insinuated. Like the Jewishness was insinuated, but Mm -hmm. not articulated. Or like the queerness was insinuated, but like they weren't the main characters in the story. Right, right. I think like Will and Grace was one of the only yeah examples out there and they were like only a few seasons in And i just thought it was so interesting so but i was curious like i wonder watching this now if it holds up because mm-hmm. not to give so much spoiler away but it's a really about this woman who doesn't identify right. as being here mm-hmm. and so then she's experimenting with her comfortability mm-hmm. i was like i wonder if that will read as insensitive yeah in some ways But then when I watched it, and I'm curious to hear what you guys would think, I was like, oh, I think this was before its time. Yeah. it feels like now we have the discussions of queerness can be a spectrum and can be how we're feeling, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to be fit into a certain kind of like representation that you see on screen. But I know at the time, there weren't that many representations on screen. I was like, how would people feel about seeing like a straight woman play uh, a woman who doesn't identify as gay, but like mm-hmm. is entering that world. And I feel like it held up.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And I had to kind of keep reminding myself that this was made in 2001 because like even today, I don't think movies like this get made that often in the mainstream anyway, as far as like major studios. And the fact they made this back in 2001. And I do remember this movie coming out. So it's not like it was some unheard of indie movie. Like it did get right. press. So I do think it was kind of ahead of its time just in the content and how they dealt with it and, you know, just just the story in general. Yeah. So I would agree with that. And I do think it holds up even now, even being what, like, what is it, 20, 21 years later? (laughs) Yeah. I think it was
0: the 20th anniversary this year. Yeah. And they did this interview. I think it's probably also why it was on my mind. They didn't Mm -hmm. interview the cast now. And they just had such lovely things to say about the experience yeah. and each other. And I just thought that was so that was so nice. Mm-hmm. That is it cool. It felt very genuine. Yeah.
1: Well, and I was reading about this movie, just the making of this movie, and Jennifer Westfeld... And her writing partner, Heather Jurgensen, Jennifer really wanted like her own control over her career. And that's why she ended up making this movie is because she's like, I want to be calling the shots. Like, you know, I don't want to just constantly be at hired at the whim of whatever studio is going on, whatever trends. So like, she just mm-hmm. decided to go out and make this movie. And I thought that was really cool too. So female director, female writer, 2001, this content, I think huge risk. And I think she did a really great job.
2: <laughs> totally. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, this movie is so interesting. First of all, it's funny. It is and so, funny. I mean, it's it's really enjoyable. And you really do fall in love with these characters right from the top. And they're so strange and they're so, <laughs> they're both very, I mean, could not be more opposite, mm-hmm. right? I mean, but they have a really interesting relationship. And so, but I love this movie because we've seen a lot of rom-coms. I yeah. mean, Susan's seen more than I have, but uh, we've seen a lot. And it's so plays with the stereotypes that you're used to and the me cute moments and mm-hmm. the, you know, the flirting, I mean, and they don't really get into a, I mean, they, they sort of start dating, but they don't really get into it for a while, but just, you know, these people are so neurotic or, or Jessica is, I should say. Um, meanwhile, Helen is like totally the opposite, right? She, she wants to have many relationships with men and women. And, you know, it's so interesting to watch because you're right. We don't see a lot of stories like this and we're getting more now, but um, I did, this is the first time I'd watch this movie, and I'm so glad you recommended it because it was such a joy to watch. And I wanted the relationship to do well, and I hated hated <laughs> her boss.
1: I what's know. his name? Her ex boyfriend Josh. 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 Josh.
2: Yeah. Oh God, I hated that character. Um, I was just like, he's such a dumbass, and he's always around. And you know, obviously, he doesn't read it into what's going on. But then he's also still like hung up with her. But he's a Like I don't think they really leaned into the fact that he's like literally in a position of power as her boss.
1: Yeah, that is kind of a different. It felt me.
2: It made me really uncomfortable. Again, this is a a rom com. They didn't you know play into like that that heaviness of it. But um, I hated that character, and I wanted their relationship (laughs) to succeed so badly.
3: Yeah,
0: agreed. I think throughout the movie too, I was like, why is he still here? All right. It right. is a movie about these two women. Why is he here? And yeah. you don't kind of realize until the end. I mean, I love that it's open-ended at the mm-hmm. end in terms of, I mean, there's some things that are clear, but you know, she meets him again at the end of the movie. Right. And yeah. he's, I just remember like the initial shot is over his right shoulder. Uh-huh. And there's just, like holes. Yeah. on The shirt's start. all worn out. Her hair's curly. And it's like, Okay, cool. They're like the different versions of themselves that they couldn't Mm -hmm. be when they started dating. And she's come through this transformation where she's learned how to accept people and maybe herself. That's really what I got from it. I had to think about it for a long time. I was like, what is this movie trying to say? But she's had a transformation where she's less rigid. She doesn't hold people to maybe an impossible standard because she herself has gone through a period where she wasn't held to an impossible standard she was more mm-hmm. confused and i think she like learned the value in that so at the end when she meets him and you're like oh it seems like they'll probably get together but like maybe not like we don't yeah. know right and i really did like that because you're not like necessarily rooting for him he's been like the thorn in their side right. and totally. kind of gotten in the way in certain respects but you're like Happy with the fact that everyone seems to be being themselves at the end of the film. And I'm like, okay, whoever she ends up with, at least you like believe in these characters to be the best of themselves now,
3: Mm -hmm.
0: which is awesome. And very like, I mean, the whole time I was watching this, I was like, you know, so influenced by Nora Afron. Yeah. And I don't know if you know the playwright Wendy Wasserman. She also wrote some amazing 90s rom-coms like mm-hmm. um there's this movie called the object of my affection starring oh yes for annafin and yeah, Paul i Ryan. know that one yeah yeah similar had like similar themes yeah of this. also like a new york playwright new york's the third character in all these movies blah blah of blah. <laughs> um you know woody allen yeah. unfortunately annie yeah. hall like yep. put this you know jewish characters and their histories and their intergenerational trauma on the map Mm -hmm. (laughs) definitely influenced by those movies but it still felt to me like it held its
1: yeah
0: um and was unabashed in stereotypes like putting those stereotypes on screen but like poking holes in them yeah which I really admired because I love other things like Mrs. Maisel and Mm -hmm. and the Goldbergs and some of these other shows that deal with like love and Culture and trauma and uh, neuroses, but don't always, I think, do it in the most nuanced way. Yeah. I will also say that watching a film where the characters play Jewish characters and the actors are also Jewish Mm -hmm. was something that I honestly can't remember last time I saw. Yeah. Interesting. And I think that for me was nice. Yeah. See, and I don't think it has to be that way always, but it made it feel like, um, this isn't a caricature of a right. culture. Yeah. And I don't know if other people would pick up on that if you're, haven't been raised in a similar Ashkenazi, New York jury, but so it's very specific in that way, but yeah. I felt like, oh, maybe other people will also like this movie and they don't have to get into all yeah. of that. They don't have to like right. know all of that. Um, but it's still an interesting story. Mm-hmm. I'm always just curious, like, that other people can find something. You love this character, even mm-hmm. though she's neurotic, like she's annoying. Right.
1: Yeah. You're like, get <laughs> out of your own way. Yeah. There's definitely some dialogue where she just won't stop talking. And I would just like, I would just start laughing. Cause I'm like, yeah. this is funny, but also I'm so uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> like
0: <laughs> There was like this moment with her and Heather walking on the street and they're like having their first date, which is like Allah, you know, Annie hall as well. Mm-hmm. And, but they're walking and talking so fast. And I was like, Ah, uh, there's like an Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, <laughs> like,
3: there's, there's like so many
0: things happening in the culture at the mm-hmm. same time that like were you know that this made me uh, think of. But yeah, she was like talking mm-hmm. so fast and like there's like all these euphemisms with her talking about um, the kind of lipstick
3: mm-hmm. that she's
0: wearing and yeah. like you know, Heather's like, you can try mixing different lipsticks and Jessica's like, no, it's like too complicated for me to like mix them. Like I'm just sort of like a one lipstick kind of girl. Yeah. And you're just like, okay, okay. Like it's yeah. a little <laughs> heavy handed on the metaphors. <laughs> but you're like, I like some, you know, quippy writing. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: I know we talked about the ending as much as I did want them to be together, especially since it's a rom-com and like, you know, that's typically the formula. They somehow end up together. I love that they were still friends and like in each other's lives, because obviously for especially for Jessica, this was such a transformative relationship for her. And it just like it would be sad if they just never talked again. Like, I think that would be a huge tragedy for these characters to just be out of each other's lives.
2: Yeah, it's interesting because even though the movie ends, I mean, spoilers, obviously.
1: Yeah, um, (laughs) yeah. But also it came out in 2001. Right. Totally. So, <laughs>
2: it, I mean, even though the movie ends, it's not a tragedy no. that they're not together, right? Because they're, they're still best friends.
1: Well, yeah. And like you said, the point, it's almost like the point really was that Jessica figures out how to be okay with who she is and also, okay, not being good at everything. It's just her being like, Oh, maybe it's okay. Cause like her mom told that story about how she didn't want to do the play. Cause it wasn't gonna be the best play ever. So she just wasn't going to do it. Right. And it's like, well, no, you can do stuff and you won't be the best and that's fine. You can still do it. Like you can still be a whole person and not be, and
2: not miss out on stuff. Yeah.
1: Not just not do something. Cause you won't be good at it. Right. Which I think is a, a very relatable, like universal thing that. Even if you can't connect to all the other aspects, you can connect to that theme.
2: I totally agree. Even though, you know, some of the nuance is probably lost on me. I mean, I still enjoy these characters. Mm-hmm. And I also thought Helen changed throughout the movie, too, because, I mean, she was only dating guys at the beginning. Yeah. And, and tried out something new. And turns out, you know, I think at the end of it, she does identify as queer, right? I think mm-hmm. She's
1: dating a woman yeah. right, after they break up. Right. Yeah.
2: All the relationships in this movie are really strong. The mom is wonderful. Yeah, she's awesome. Um, um, I'm going to ask you guys what your favorite scene is, but I think my favorite scene is the one where they're talking on the bench outside Mm -hmm. her house. And, you know, the mom finally admits to to Jessica that she knows that, you know, Helen's her girlfriend. And it's such a a nice, sweet moment because she was obviously so stressed out about you know revealing that to our traditional family who's always talking about what guy she's dating and or whatever it's just a really nice like uh reveal of honesty
0: that was definitely my favorite scene too and I'd forgotten about that scene after watching it the first time and so when it came on when I was watching it just recently I was so taken aback by it because the tone... I mean, it's so perfect. The tone, like... But the rest of the movie is not that serious or tearjerker. And... But I loved it, like, the tearjerker moment. The emotional, like, climax of the film happened between her and her mom. Yeah. And it wasn't, like, the breakup. And it wasn't, you know, the... Her confusion and, like, anxiety just by herself. It was this moment of reconciling, like, her mom saying, like, I know what kind of person you are and i know that you've always been this way and even though she doesn't really say it i mean she's really like i understand that you've felt constraints like within this culture Mm -hmm. around Mm -hmm. you in the way that you've subliminally taken in expectations for yourself
2: yeah but she's still supportive yeah
0: Mm -hmm. still supportive and like you can be different or you can you don't necessarily like you don't need to be as hard on yourself because like, I'm not going to be hard on you about this. And so give yourself room to be even unhappy, I guess like be yeah. sad. Yeah, yeah. Um, That was such a powerful scene. I think just like going back to what you were saying about the nuances, like, I feel like the great thing about this film is like, even if it wasn't like the culture you're raised in, like, it's just a metaphor for like anyone who's ever yes. been in a culture where there are certain unspoken
3: mm-hmm.
0: and yet also spoken expectations yeah. mm-hmm. that you like internalize. Um, Cause it's not like Jessica feels like she can't reject certain parts of her culture, but it's mm-hmm. like, they're so ingrained. Yeah. In her that she doesn't even know that she herself is uncomfortable with like the lack of risk taking that she has been able to do in her whole life. So I loved that. I love the mom. I mean, I don't know if you read this. I also would like just googled yeah. the whole film. I was just like, oh my god, so interesting. Uh, Tova, the actress, mm-hmm. she's actually in Funny Girl right now on Broadway. Like, she's had an amazing awesome. career. Yeah. Jessica or Jennifer in real life, who plays Jessica, was Tova's assistant. Oh, really? wow. personal assistant. I didn't read that before this film was made, what? and but like for a very short time. And then when Jennifer was writing this film, like, Togo was like, I'll do any, I'll support anything that you mm-hmm. make. And she was like, great. Will you be like the mom in this yeah. story? And that's how they knew each other. And that's I was so like, cool. that's, that's also a great example of yeah. you know where your career is going to take you. And mm-hmm. when you meet people and you build relationships, like I'm sure Jennifer was like, I don't want to be a personal assistant for the rest of my life, right. but like, I'm going to do this job well for the six weeks or however long it was that she was the assistant and gained that like trust and respect of tova um so i thought that was like just a great yeah behind the scenes
1: that's cool and it puts
0: meaning on like their emotional connection in that Mm -hmm. scene
1: yeah definitely
0: very cool that's
1: a cool that's a cool fact
0: susan did you have a favorite scene in the film?
1: I mean, definitely. I mean, the scene you guys mentioned with the mom um, finally being like, hey, it's it's OK to, to be who you are. And like there's a lot of good, like funny scenes, too. I think when they finally have Helen and uh, Jessica finally tell their, her family about their relationship and Helen goes to the wedding mm-hmm. and all the women are just asking, like, what well, have you thought about the kids thing and all this stuff? And I'm like, this is just like. This is this is how it feels to show up as the girlfriend at a wedding at full of family you've never met before it's just like intrusive questions too much but like oh, okay. <laughs> I saw so I thought that was a funny. really well written scene it was really real and then the scene where her coworker they're in i think jessica's apartment but she finds out that she's dating helen and jessica's freaking out she's like this isn't me this is wrong this is not what i'm doing. this isn't me and the co-worker's like i think it's great and jessica just can't hear that she's just like caught in the yeah. spiral i think really shows how much she struggled with figuring out that this is something she wanted i thought that was a really good illustration of that so but there's a lot of great scenes
0: mm-hmm. but so, yeah. that's i love that scene too it's just so funny. Like, yeah. every, it's just a really, there's, the emotion is so heightened and everyone's yeah. just been, like, at the top of their emotional capacity and mm-hmm. it's just, like, chaotic and it's so funny. I also, like, love in this film that everyone around her is basically totally fine yeah (laughs) thing of her life choices Uh yeah but she is so like internalized whatever standards that she thinks Mm -hmm. you don't fit for a person quote-unquote like her I don't know I I try to imagine like when someone was pitching that log line like girl can't get out of her own way you know there's love and it's like I don't know if someone pitched that to me that I'd be like, great. I really want to see that. But like yeah. the character is so funny and mm-hmm. yeah. like, it's just very surprising. But yeah, I loved that scene with the coworker because the coworker's like, I love this. Yeah. For you. <laughs> I just can't believe you didn't tell me like, right not. Nah, why didn't you just tell me? Mm-hmm. And she's just like going down this rabbit hole of right. this lady. And um, I thought that was a nice twist of just every single person that she yeah to contact with to tell them about this life change they're like great mm-hmm. wonderful yeah
1: <laughs> you're happy yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> we'd like to finish up our show today with a game that we're calling sounds like love in honor of kissing jessica stein we're going to see how well both of you know rom-coms based on synonyms of their titles and i'll hear you're going to be playing against susan so here are the rules You'll each have one minute, and I'm going to give you the title of film, but I've changed out the real words for synonyms. If you don't know the answer, you can pass, and whoever will get the most correct during their minute will win our prize. And Susan, what's our prize?
1: Uh, It is some Life in the Credits merchandise, so like a mug or a shirt, something like that will mail you something, yeah.
0: (laughs) Okay, now I'm serious about it. Okay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, Hannah, you've elected to go first. Are you ready to play? I think so. Okay. Your minute will start as soon as I read your first clue. Okay.
3: Lunar hit. Oh my god. Lunar hit.
0: You
2: can pass if you need to. Moon struck? Yes, moon struck. <laughs> nice. Constantly act as my perhaps.
0: Constantly act as my perhaps. Yes. What's that mean? Like definitely sort of maybe or something. Definitely not. Definitely.
2: You know what? I'm going to give it to you. Let's keep going. Uh, (laughs) Next one is speak whatever.
3: What? Say anything? Yeah, say anything. Um,
2: Exhausted in Starbucks city.
0: Exhausted in Starbucks city. A sleepless in Seattle. Yes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Methods to getting dumped by a man in a week and a half. (laughs) (laughs)
0: How to lose a guy in ten days? Correct, and that's five points (laughs) and one minute. Great
2: job, Hannah. That was
0: good. That's a great game. Yeah. Is
1: it always be my baby?
2: It is always (laughs) be my baby. Okay. So that was a hard one. We're giving it. To yeah, Hannah. no, no,
1: that's fine. That was close enough. That's was close enough.
2: You I did gotten. so well, Moonstruck. Yeah. You know, once you got it, you were on a roll. Yeah. So,
0: that was a great game because it's like your first thought is like, I have no yeah. clue, and then something and then like, yeah. 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 okay, I'm so excited for you. Okay, so I'm, I'm rooting for you too. <laughs> <laughs> I have to beat five.
2: You have to beat five. Okay. All right, Susan, are you ready? Yes. Thou received post. You've got mail. Correct. Season determining rodent,
3: 24 hours. Say that again? Season determining rodent, 24 hours. Groundhog Day? Groundhog Day is correct. (laughs) My
2: top buds, celebration of union.
1: Say it one more time.
2: My top buds, celebration of union.
1: My Best Friend's Wedding. Correct. Okay.
2: The Large Illness.
1: The Large Illness?
2: The Large Illness. This is a movie you have seen.
1: (laughs) Big Sick? Correct. Okay.
2: The Method in Which Stella Recovered Her Mojo.
1: (laughs) This is how Stella got her groove.
2: Correct. (laughs) All right, now that's time.
1: Are we tied? And we are tied yes. at five Whoa. points. Oh, Do you have a tiebreaker?
2: In fact, I do. Okay. Oh, no. I do have a tiebreaker.
1: I will say you didn't come up with a synonym for Stella.
2: I don't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: People can write in and complain.
0: How Stella went from exasperated to back
3: into her. All
2: right. So I have a couple okay. different options for a tiebreaker here, okay. ones that you didn't get to. I'm going to I'm gonna pick my favorite.
1: How's this going to work?
2: So this one I'm going to read, and whoever shouts out the okay. correct answer first is our winner. So, so th- this is a sudden death okay. now. Okay. So whoever shouts it out first, so go ahead and interrupt me if you think you know it. Okay. There's a matter regarding Jesus's mom.
0: There's something about Mary. Correct!
3: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you killed it! Excellent job. That was... <laughs> wait can you read it again that's so funny
2: absolutely i can there's a matter regarding jesus's mom
0: i love that's like such a great almost like scene opener it's like someone rushes in the room there's a matter about jesus's mom
2: well well done hannah you win yeah
0: congratulations that's such a, i'm gonna use that game oh please so do. Like a couple's game night that's yeah great. That was really fun. For
2: sure. Well, um, before we let you go, Hannah, is there anything that you would like to plug?
0: I will say I love, I'm watching the latest season of Dairy Girls. Oh, yeah. On Netflix, which I absolutely adore that show. I have to watch it with subtitles because it goes so fast. (laughs) So funny. Um, One thing I can plug is my father-in-law is a composer and he just did music, wrote the music on a new film that's coming out called Armageddon Time cool and yeah so it's an indie film should be coming out soon um he did the music for it and it's just a lovely story about a family back in the 70s and so, it actually takes place at a school that like my fiance and a lot of people in the family have gone to oh, cool. that film should be out in theater soon
2: well thank you so much anna for doing this today this is great
0: yeah this, this was really is fun. so fun thank you guys you guys make a great podcast Life in the Credits is hosted and produced by me, Susan
1: Swarner.
2: And me, Ben Bloom.
1: It's executive produced by Michelle Levin.
2: The music is written and performed by Steve Trowbridge. You can hear more of Steve's music at TrowbridgeSongs.com.
1: The show logo is created by Melissa Durkin.
2: If you'd like to support Life in the Credits and get access to exclusive perks, you can do so at Patreon.com.
1: If you'd like to follow or get a hold of us, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Life in the Credits or shoot us an email at lifeinthecredits at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Soon as he came on the screen, Ben goes, That's John Ham. <laughs>